is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. Welcome to I Will Watch Anything Once. I'm your host, Mark David Christensen. I'm proud to be part of the Boardwalk Audio family. You can check out the Boardwalk Audio website at www.boardwalkaudio.com. Also, there's a great feature that now allows listeners such as yourself to help out the podcast. How you can do that is go to my page on the Boardwalk Audio website at www.boardwalkaudio.com slash I will watch anything once. Then there's a button there that says support our artist. If you click on that button, it will direct you to Amazon.com and you can do your normal shopping. Any purchase you make after pushing that button on Amazon.com will kick a small percentage to my podcast. And that will help continue the production on this podcast and keeping the quality up and assist me in always bringing you great episodes each month. Please click on the button of support our artists. In the last several years, cinema has been dominated by superhero movies. If there's not one coming out this weekend, you're still bombarded online with news of the next upcoming superhero movie. And a lot of people are kind of sick of it. But I am not one of them. Even with the films that I dislike, I'm still excited to see what the Marvel Universe will put on the screen. I think Marvel is doing a great job of creatively using genre to expand on the superhero films. I mean, with Ant-Man, it was a heist film. With Doctor Strange, it looks like we're going sort of Matrix or Inception, very psychedelic and alternate universes. In The Winter Soldier, we use espionage. And it can go on, and there's tons of people that can articulate this way better than me that you can probably read online. I'm just saying that I'm super happy about the Marvel movies, and I don't want superhero movies to stop. Maybe we'll be oversaturated with them, but there's other films being made as well. I just want the Marvel Universe to keep having quality films because they're fun, they're creative, they're imaginative. I like these characters. I like heroes. I'm super stoked for the new Spider-Man. Who knows what Tom Holland is going to bring to that character, but I feel like it's going to be something great. And that brings me to Civil War. I'm so excited for Civil War. I even think it might, without even knowing anything about it, other than what the trailers have given us, it might become my next favorite Marvel movie, which is stupid even to say, because who knows? I don't know. Maybe something else with. I'm super stoked that they're doing a Captain Marvel movie. We'll finally get a hero that's a female with her own film. That is great. A female lead. But look, I would love to waste all of this podcast time ranting about Marvel and how much I love them. But really, I bring that up because the film that we watched for this episode is, in, the, in a sense, in the superhero genre. But let's get to that with my guest in this episode, one of my best friends, Steve Beathers. <music> I'm with here with Steve Beathers. We just watched Remo Williams. Yeah, <laughs> Remo. Uh, 
for those that have not seen uh, Remo Williams, and you have seen this movie multiple times before now, yes, uh, do a um, um, give us a synopsis of the movie Remo. Mil- well, this is not just Remo Williams. Remo Williams, the adventure begins. Yes, uh, from nineteen eighty five. Remo Williams is a former NYPD cop who is recruited by an organization that doesn't exist that only answers to the president of the United States. And they basically kill him, you know, fake his death, uh, give him a new face, new name, and train him to become an assassin. And he's trained by a Korean master of a Korean martial arts called Sinanju. And basically trains his body and mind to become a weapon. And then they go after bad guys. An adventure begins. Yes. <laughs> I think they thought the adventure was going to keep keep on going. So it's a very ambitious title. Right. It is a very... Like, to, to just assume that the adventure begins, like, like in the sense of, like, we are going to have sequels. Well, I mean, at the time, barring, like, Superman um, or any of the comic book movies because they did comic book movies like in the 80s too um there was like james bond and then that's it and i think they were trying to make kind of like an american james bond i think that's what they were going for and i think the director what was it guy hamilton i think he directed maybe a couple of other like we'd have to look that up uh i've not done any research for this that's okay so i don't expect research just as a fan of the movie however the movie is based on a book series called the destroyer which I don't even know how many books they have. Over a hundred, and and you've read those books? I've read maybe two or three, like a long time ago. I don't really remember who the villains were in the books. Uh, they they wrote a book. Two guys wrote were the authors, and there were various authors. I and one or two of them died at a point. Uh, they were writing for a long time, but I think it's uh, Warren Murphy and Richard Sapir. I'm probably wrong on those names, but um, yeah, they had. They wrote a book. I think they wrote a couple of books before they kind of got their flow and it got canonical. Mm -hmm. And then the characters stayed pretty much the same. Um, I did read the first one, which I believe is called The Destroyer Created. And it's the book series is crazy. Like huge villains. It's like comic book crazy. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know how, like, if they were true to the books, how they could even make those movies. I mean, it would be huge budget. And I think that's part of maybe why R- R- Rima Williams' The Adventure Begins doesn't have as much staying power. It's because they shot it on a budget. I think it could have been a better movie if maybe they're... Yeah. Um, okay. I think Before it, we get into oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Before we get but, into yeah, that. Yeah. Rima Williams, trained assassin. Great. We love well, that. Yeah. I think we got that across. In the movie. And it's based on these old... these these books this book series um why did you want me to see this movie i want everyone to see this movie <laughs> okay why? I, um, I saw this at a young age uh pre-pubescent i believe uh, and it was the absolute coolest movie for me to see at the age i was i don't know if i was uh, 10 or 11 or whatever but um yeah just the sh- just the banter between Remo and Chun, uh, just how they like hate each other but really love each other uh, or respect each other. They love each other. Um, uh, je- the martial arts, the philosophy even. Even like when they're on the roof the first time, when he's first training with Chun. Uh-huh. 
and he has that little that little lecture on fear and how fear is just an emotion. You feel tired, you feel hungry, you feel afraid. And I remember even thinking of that in times when I was afraid or, you know, like uh-huh. um, as a young man and like, being, I mean, I used to cr- climb trees because it was thrilling. When I was a, like four, four years old, I'd climb trees because there was a fear of falling. Like I've always had that. But I, I remember after watching this movie going, oh, yeah, it's just a feeling. So when I'd feel like afraid of heights and I've done some ridiculously dangerous stuff, I would just go, okay, it's just a feeling relax and just get my breathing under control. So I was like, this movie didn't like shape my life, but it kind of maybe rounded some of the corners. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. Like all the advice that Chun gives is practical advice that you can use. I mean, it's besides the killing part, but you know, following instructions, believing in yourself. Like right. that when he does the uh, pre-dinner obstacle course. Yes. And he turns off the lights. I've thought about that a ton. Like, you know, having seen this movie at a young age, just going, you know how to do this. Just because now, like, don't doubt yourself. You can do it. Remo doubts himself and he falls and right. breaks his head. Do we ever have a moment where he does complete that obstacle in the dark later in the movie? Or is it just, it's just that never comes back after that gag? I, you only see it that one time. See, that's the, like, okay. Great. And then, you know, I, I don't know if the payoff is like, oh, now he's doing this stuff on the on the Statue of Liberty. Or uh, now definitely, he's... Definitely. Definitely. Like, he, he certainly, like, they do plant the seed. He is afraid of heights at the beginning of his training. Mm-hmm. And then he you see him conquer that on the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. And after that, it's never a problem again. And at the end of the movie, when he's like on that, on that log ride where he's up in the air and yeah. holding onto a tree... Clearly, I mean, he's more afraid of bullets than he is of, of the height. And he has no yeah. problem with the height at that mm-hmm. point. So, I mean, you do kind of see that, like, oh, the master trained him and then the training worked. Yeah. Um, I don't I Okay, let's talk about this. Uh, but I do want everyone to see this because um, even though it's kind of like when you find a restaurant that you know it's not like, it's not like your $100 plate fancy French food, mm-hmm. but it's just like a cool hole-in-the-wall restaurant, a greasy spoon or whatever. And you're just like, go get that burger or eat these tacos. Like, it's just really good. And I, I feel that that's what this movie is. It's a fun movie that um, I wish more people had seen. And it's going to – they're rebooting it. And so um, – Who's going to be rebooting it? It's the uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. It's a uh, – Iron Man. Shane, Shane Black? Shane Black. Shane Black. Yeah. I could see him doing well with this material. Yeah, I've come to terms with it because, you know, I just watched Kiss Kiss Bang Bang for the first time. Uh-huh. And I'd seen Iron Man 3. And that's like, well, I, I think he wrote a bunch of movies. Did he write like The Last Boy Scout? He wrote Was Lethal that Weapon. He wrote Lethal and Weapon. And he wrote The Lost Boy Scout. Yeah, so. I, I like Shane. I love Shane Black's stuff. So I, lo- I love what his writing. And so his directing, I've only seen those two movies. I'm not sure what mm-hmm. else he's directed. But I was like, okay. I've got to become happy with a destroyer movie that uh, takes place during Christmas that uh-huh. has a narrator and probably deals with a little kid. Maybe we'll see. I mean, that's well, my... I don't think his kiss being bang. No, there kid. isn't, but no, that, but... I mean, I think, I think, I think you can't, I mean, this is getting away from Remo right now, but, sure. but you can't, I think a lot of people criticize Iron Man for those things and think, but I think, 
that little kid is in thing that's like almost Marvel more than it's Shane Black. It, I, I think you're absolutely Cause, right. Because Kiss Kate Bang, Bang, Bang Bang is one of my favorites. I I think that I writing was totally that... surprised. I, I I I tried to watch it once, but I think I, it was like late at night and I needed to go to bed. But no, I watched it just like maybe last week, and I was like, okay, if this is the guy that's doing Destroy, I'll be perfectly happy. Because right. the the type of like sarcastic characters that are really like kind of cocky. For no yeah. good reason, um, Remo's super cocky in the books, and uh, and I think he is in the in the movie. But like I I think to try to shoehorn like 150 books into a one two hour movie, it's impossible. I think yeah. they did a for 1985 and whatever budget they had. I think I think they did an amazing job. That doesn't mean like the movie's without its flaws, and. No. Um, it's taken me a long time to get to that point where I can just look at it critically because it has been <laughs> like near and dear to my heart. For sure. I can understand that. There's plenty of movies that are near and dear to my heart. I mean, in fact, don't... yeah, I was like po- poking po- fun at it tonight. Yeah. Because you'd seen it so many times. Um, yeah. Um, Shane Black, I really like, I just like his stuff a lot. I love that. I love that he has a calling card that things are going to take place during Christmas. There's just something so funny that he, like, that makes it so interesting to me that he chooses that to be like, I just want, because I think most people think of Christmas as like a very peaceful time. Yeah. And a very like, I don't know, that like people think that like during Christmas, it's almost him poking at the fact that when we when Christmas comes along, we're like, oh, there's only peace in the world during Christmas. It's yeah. Like, and he's like, no, shit still keeps going on. Like nothing changes during Christmas. Well, and then, yeah, and you you highlight the good by also highlighting the bad. Right. And no, I, I think that's great. And so my prediction for uh, a Shane Black Destroyer movie is uh, there'll be aspects of Christmas that Shun just doesn't understand. And there'll be, he'll say some racist thing about white people. And then there'll be something ridiculous about Christmas that he'll love. Right. Or they're going to find a different angle rather than his racism. Well, Chin's not really racist so much as he's just super pro-Korean. Right. And he doesn't like anybody else. Anyone that's not Korean is garbage. Right. He'd rather live alone. Yeah. And in the the books, that is one of the uh, things. I've only read a, a few books, but, you know, reading, like, you know, you know, people's uh, summaries of books online, yeah. like, that that's one of the themes is that Shun's very proud of his heritage and Remo's deficient because of his white lineage, <laughs> um, which is super funny. It's like it's like the it's the fun racism. It's it's more of like uh, no cultural sensitivities. Yeah, and uh, and it's they showed some of that in this movie. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they approach that in today's world for the Destroyer. Uh, movie yeah uh the no the destroyer novel series goes crazy like uh remo at a point uh the reason it's called the destroyer is he gets possessed by the god shiva and becomes like a channel for the god shiva to wreak havoc on on the earth it's insane it's totally insane and that's and that's why it's called the destroyer because remo becomes this ultimate weapon that a god of destruction possesses at a point okay no, yeah. If they go, I hope they go just super crazy. With I mean, I'm I'm on board if you sell it to me, right? It's yeah. I I'll, I'll work on the pitch, but yeah, it's. <laughs> I and that's why I want everyone to watch it because it's got so much potential. And I think I even noticed it like when I was young. I was just going, oh man, if they just did this a little bit differently, or if they did that. Um, we 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 already talked about how the music is really good 
I love that's my favorite part is like the actual like theme song of the movie. Yeah, and um, and there's a few really of them cool. that they repeat, and so it's like they do a really good job of informing the audience like what the what to feel essentially. Yeah. And I guess you know good writing obviously does that as well, but music can really enhance it as well. And I think the music in this was great. It's just, the only thing it was like it's it's like really good score, but it's just it's like they played it on a synthesizer for the most yeah. part. But uh, yeah, I love the music. Um, so let's let's talk about a little bit like why <laughs> I think this movie is a movie. When I watch it, I go. Yeah, a lot of potential here, but there's so many shortcomings when I watch it. Yeah, and it's and it's it's almost it's almost rough, and it's stuff that like I kind of like. Rarely do I see movies where I'm like, oh, I could see a remake making this improve improving upon this, and this is something I do watch and go, oh, there's something here that I think a remake would maybe improve on it. Yeah. Um. Well, for for you watching it the first time. Yeah. What was the first thing that stood out for you that just uh, made you go, "Oh, they could have, they could have done something else." Um, I think it's just like it's uh, like let me think what the first thing was. That's a hard question. Um, uh, was it pre-hospital, or was it in that first fight scene, or was it the interaction with uh, Wilford Brimley? I mean, these are the first few scenes. Yeah, these are the first few scenes. Or was it just an overall feeling of like... It's an overall feeling of kind of like... I think it's just overall through the whole thing. It seems like it doesn't get me... It doesn't make me believe in this world. It kind of just keeps going without really taking the time to be like, okay, why would this person... Like, it jumps from a point of like, great, they killed this guy off. We really don't even understand why he's being chosen, because at the beginning of the movie, he's just—he's a cop is just fucking sitting and eating a burger. It's and a is lazy fucking, fat cop. Yeah. Like why? Why this guy? And that's never really explained. They really don't. They don't do a it's, good job of that. Um, there's never like this is the best cop or this is like a good cop, even if it's like he's a Serpico guy who's just like you're not corrupt. That's never really said at any point. It's just we decided this cop, so they they fake his death. Very elaborately, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, big time. Like, like I feel like they could have easily done that, like in an easier manner. Like, well, in like in the, the in the in the book, the first book I read, uh, and there's a, I think there was a couple origin stories in the books, but um, he was on, he was in prison, Remo, and uh, he was going to be executed, and I think it was McCleary or whoever the guy is in the book. He uh, comes in. I think he gives him like an injection that protects his body through the electrocution. Okay. And so then they smuggle the corpse out, and that's how the the old guy's dead. The guy that was in prison. I forget what he's in prison for. Um, and then and he's a decorated marine in Vietnam. So I mean the books. Right. Were... See, that's the thing. Is like I like. But, I'm yeah. Not, you've read the books. I get I get really pissed. It's one of those things where like when people t- it's it's similar to like the parallel of like when people tell me like well Harry Harry Potter's are so great and then they like well did you read the book and I'm like well I shouldn't have to fucking have read the book to enjoy the movie the movie should stand on its own it feet so I get frustrated because you're telling me all this stuff and I'm like that sounds great none of that's in the movie so I'll, I'll, all I'm going off in my head and when I talk about it is the movie itself so I needed more of that. 
I needed yeah. them more of convincing me like why. Because in the end, so then they, so he's in the hospital. They've changed his face. He tries to like dry. It's like little vignette moments. Yeah. That really have like no weight to them throughout this movie for me. Yeah. It's, like it's, even him trying to get away the hospital sort of, it's like, it's like, oh, the ambulance driver who's Winston. I don't, can't think of the yeah, actor's name sadly, yeah. but Winston from, from Family Matters. Yeah. And him going, or Winslow or whatever. I think, I don't know why I'm saying Winston. I think of him, I think, was he, I think of him from Die Hard. Yeah, he's from Die Hard, but he's a cop. But who, who knows his name? Yeah, I, 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 do, I should look it up. It's a very long name. But that, yeah, that cop, like going, no, we're taking off of my ambulance. And then you're like, he's just like driving like, I'm free. But we have no, like, even a history of like, where was he going? Do you he's, know what I mean? he's, like, yeah, he's just escaping. He's just escaping. And it's quickly cut off with this like, okay, uh, what's the, the other? Cleary? Clearly he's just like, oh, yep, I've been in the ambulance the whole time to hold a gun and tell you yeah. where to drive. So it's like these little, like almost. It's like that. It's like cute they cute moments. I'm gonna say they, they plotted out these little beats and then they just strung them together. Yeah, and, uh, because they had to get Remo with Chun and right. start that training. And I like how they introduced Chun in that uh, where he's supposed to uh, assassinate his boss or whatever in the basement. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I look at this movie as. Uh, I think still with the enthusiasm of like a, an 11 year old version of myself. For sure. And I'm seeing uh, it without that. Yeah. And then now I'm also, so now I'm not 11, but I've read the, I've read some of the books. And so um, I'm, I'm watching it as a fan of that world of that For universe sure. where you don't have any of that. And without that, it's very easy to see the holes and then not get caught up in it. Not, you know, suspend right. that disbelief. Um, I think the same problem probably befell uh, John Carter of Mars, or, or John Carter. Sadly, I didn't see it. But. Well, I saw it, and um, I, I haven't. I didn't never read the book series, but um, supposedly they're amazing. Yeah, and uh, and then the movie doesn't stand on its own feet, unfortunately. And I think possibly how I view Rima Williams' The Adventure Begins is the way that director of John Carter viewed the movie right and so he's looking at every scene and every scene is meaning something to him because it's the scene plus how he feels about the scene equals the movie whereas for just the casual audience viewer it what what am i looking at yeah and that's all i can see you know if it's not on the screen if you don't see it you don't hear it, it doesn't exist exactly and so uh there's a lot of that in this movie um but you know, if the reboot is good, I think I think this would be a fun thing to see before the reboot. For sure, I definitely think it's something that's like a, it's going to be a stamp in whatever. If you're a Destroyer fan, or if there's a reboot, it's definitely going to be like something that people are like, "Ooh, I want to see what this is based on," especially if it's good. Um, yeah, or like, you know. Oh, I wonder what a, a young Steve Beathers was like and what he was into. Yeah. And people, then just if you want to find out about Steve, young Steve Beathers, just watch Remo Williams. Yeah. But going on in regards to the, like, again, what, what everything I'm criticizing in this movie, to me, oh, it, it has like an undertone of like, oh, there's potential here. I just don't think this is being executed right. You know what I mean? Well, I don't Same think. Same thing with like, just give, just ground me in a world where I believe it. Because even from that point on, like, when he goes and meets uh, uh, Wilford Brimley, who's his, his head boss, that tells, it's a, that literally we've only situations we see him in are sitting in a tiny office 
hidden in a in a national bank. Yeah. And he's looking at a computer that he's saying, those are hooked to all those big computers, and I can plug into anything and anything I want. And it's just like, okay, I get it. But but in that, in that situation, all we do is we get a little bit of snarkiness back from Remo. Yeah. That's kind of like, oh, I don't know about this. And then it jumps. There's literally a cut. And it jumps from him being bruised and talking to them, like, I don't want to do this job. And Wilford Brimley's like, he's like, what if I say no? He's like, Wilford Brimley just simply says, oh, then you're a dead son of a bitch. And then we cut. And the only indication that it's jumped time is that there's no, Remo is no longer bruised. <laughs> and yeah. I think there's maybe a reference to two weeks. Or they say, oh, they, say, would... they say in the previous scene, like, in two weeks, you're going to, like, you'll have your, or, like, or something. They just think of this very arbitrary, like, time frame of, like, on, no, they don't even say weeks. They say on Monday is your first assignment. So we don't know what day a week it is. We have no clue what day a week it yeah. is. So why, in the script, it's so weird to say Monday when it's like, I have, I, I have no fucking clue when that is. Yeah. I don't know if that's seven days away. I don't know if that's, th- this is a weekend. But it cuts, and we've jumped weeks, and he's doing his first assignment. But I'm like, where's that back and forth? Like, why did he so, like, I get it. We can we can make assumptions that, like, he threatened his life, so now he's just going to be going along. Well, and unfortunately, we have to make assumptions, or we have to go, oh, well, maybe they forgot to do the makeup. Actually, no, they didn't forget to do the makeup. No, I get that. I think but that's yeah, purposely it's, there. It's just, again, it's, just, it's super loose in getting me... Because I'm fine with the way he meets uh, Shun. Shun. I'm fine with the way he meets him of like him being the first guy he has to kill. Yeah. I think that's great. That's a great introduction to a mentor character, I think. Um, and again, I think the mentor character, again, it's somewhat of a hero's journey. Very classic storytelling, the hero's journey, where it's like, okay, you have a mentor, and this guy's going to be reluctant to become this hero. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I think it kind of was sort of trying to follow that in a way, especially having a mentor figure that's like going to teach him as we follow him. Yeah. But then it fell short for me because a lot of their stuff was humorous. But I, I would argue that I really, and this is so sad of me to say, <laughs> I would argue that while I'm watching Fred Ward, who has, by the way, can we just point out his huge hands? They, they are, are remarkable. Like they're, they don't look like they belong in his body. Yeah, and then and then he had really I noticed and I've noticed this before he has really tall shoes, like not big feet but tall shoes, but they weren't yeah. high tops, and yeah, the combination of like his wardrobe, like his I, his hands were monstrous, right? Never seen such big hands on a man, right? So so good job, Fred Ward. Yeah, good job, Fred Ward. But we never really saw a journey from for Rima. I don't think. Yeah. The journey, we'll talk about his training being part of the journey, but there's never really like, other than that scene where he's like, what if I say no? And the next thing we know, he's now going on his first kill. There's not a reluctance. There's never this like, not like this pushback from there on. There's never a him going like, uh, like I'm out of this. And I'm not like, even, even on his first, like asking questions of like, why am I doing this? I don't want to be a killer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it goes very fast into uh, some guys are chasing me around the Statue of Liberty. I want to kill people. Like, he got on board really so fast. So fast. And it's just like, again, it just comes with me of like, I just want to believe this is a real person, sort of. And, and like, yeah, and so I can follow whatever journey he's on. 
And again, it's just, again, there's potential there, but I'm like, what? It did What's... fall into the uh, storytelling of, it's not here's a guy and he's making a choice and here are the consequences. It's like here's what the guy's doing and now he's doing this and then he's doing that and yeah. then he's doing this. And it's not coming from choices that I feel like the character are making yeah. or what their choices are bringing about. It's just coming from like, yeah, this happens. Oh, this happens. This happens. This happens. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's the not, only person – well, it doesn't come from that vein of like storytelling that's like this happens – then this happens. This happens because, yeah. therefore, this happens. Nothing had previously, sort of before it, is motivating the, the trajectory. Yeah, of the story. It, it was more like a visual travel log. Yeah, and um, and that's where that's that's that little you know stick in my ribs about it is like it could have been like so cool and easily fixed in the and script. It could be because I looked up this director. You said. Uh, Guy, uh, Hamilton. Hamilton. He directed like the third James Bond and then directed like three others. Yeah. And I feel like, and I'm not saying James Bonds are perfect movies by no. any means, but it's like one is. You know, there is kind of a in, campy element to a lot of the early James Bond but films. But they still like work. Yeah. And so. Like even in those movies where they're very plotty and like things happen, I can, I can honestly say that like when I'm watching a James Bond I still feel like there's a little bit of element of like, this happens, therefore this happens, and it's by yeah. it's the choices that James Bond is making or even the villains are making that are pushing it forward. Yeah, I had never thought of like my main gripe with uh, Rima Williams just standing on its own feet has never been about the story. I've always looked to, um, you know, when considering the strength of a hero, look to the strength of the villain. Yeah. And I think the villain in this is just, it comes it's, up way short. It's so vague. Yeah. I, I'll be honest. I had no clue what was going Like I had to like speak out and I was like, what is this guy doing? Yeah. And, you're, and they're like, well, he's supposed to look good. And I'm like, okay. Because I think it was coming from us. One, it was like, you never had like a real human interaction with the villain. Yeah. The only interaction we, up, we found out through him was just like information literally being fed to us from a computer screen. Yeah. That was just saying, this is him. Here's what he is. And, and then was he gun? Did he sell guns? Yeah. Or did so, he just he sell faulty guns and that's an issue? That to me it was like, I'll be honest, like if it's about these guns being faulty and killing soldiers, it felt like it was a problem that could easily be eternally dealt with in the army and doesn't need Remo Williams to come riding on a fucking white horse and saving the day. Yeah, so I think there's a I think there's a couple of like built in <laughs> elements at play that don't really work today. Yeah. So um in the 80s, the budget was a big deal. Uh, Star Wars was a big deal. For sure. Uh, Iran-Contra affair. Uh, things having to deal with like weapons and budget. And uh, and then obviously communism was a big, big right. deal, mid-80s. Uh, so I think you have all these built-in things. So all you have to do is like yell at an audience, uh, arms manufacturer, ripping off the government, communist. Or you know, or you know, threat. Then, of, then I blame that then on the writers. Because, yes, yes, absolutely. Because I think there's there's movies that we could probably pull up. I can't think of any right off the top of my head right now that come from the same era that play with the same things that are are in the lexicon at the time. Yeah. Or the zeitgeist or whatever, and but they use them to the degree where if we watched a movie right now, it would still be functional. Yeah. We'd watch the movie and go, it doesn't matter if that if this movie just is telling me a story. 
using these elements. Whereas this one, if that's what they're going for, of like, oh, we're just going to go for this built-in thing, it falls very short and very vague. And I'm like, what? Why are they bad? Yeah. I have no clue other than that that Wilford Brimley and his computer say so. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know... The, uh, but, you and know, he's a very like at that point I'm not I'm not fully on board with their little organization of of trio because we haven't really even established it other than it, it was just so much was getting uh, yeah they, around they, and, like they hardly meant I mean the name of the organization is Cure but they don't even mention it until like halfway through the movie yeah. until you know Cure if they find out about Cure and like Cure wait what it's it's like they mention the stuff from the books but it's almost like they had a checklist of well we got to include this and this and this yeah. And instead of writing like a complete story, and they did, they did like you know, they in faking a cop's death as opposed to like stealing a, someone out of prison, they did change a lot of the elements that yeah. were not in the books. And so, it's interesting that um, you know, one was like, it's not that hard to adapt a good book, and I think there was a lot of like good re- destroyer novels that they could have adapted from. And I don't know, maybe it's. Maybe it's just hard to do, like kind of like comic booky movies back in the eighties. Definitely more difficult um, than it is today. Like I think sure. I think no one knew how to make a good one. I mean, one was Superman four. That was like, well, you know, I, you know, in Superman three, like this was around that same time period. It, it was I don't know. And there's there was a lot of like. But I feel like this movie is less comic booky to me. What I'm watching. Yes. To me, I'm filling in the blanks like, with my novel. The novel might be, but the movie I watched, to me, was closer in the vein of what you're saying with James Bond. Especially they got a James Bond director to do it. And to me, it doesn't feel like it hits those notes. It doesn't. It doesn't get me on board that, like, hey, this is a guy in a secret agency, and he's going to go do, like... It has the same thing... This movie has... And remind me to get back to Fred Ward and, and his training. Oh, not but, his hands. Not his hands. Uh, uh, I just lost. Him. Oh my gosh! But James Bond, yes. like those kind of movies where it's a secret agency, and like we have like a clear thing of like this is cut and dry. Why the villain needs to be taken down, and then as we go, we're gonna have obstacles to get that done. There's yeah. there's really never any like straightforward like here's a villain. We're gonna try to get this done. That doesn't work, and then no a new obstacle moving forward, and also. Um, well, it's even like, where's it going to be? Mount Promise. Well, we're going to Mount Promise. Like, it's, they're there. They're yeah, just there. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it, I, all the flaws, all the flaws in this movie that I, and I don't even see them all, um, stems from the writing. For sure. And, uh, and uh, you know, that's probably my biggest regret when it comes to this film, because it's like, it's near and dear to my heart, but a couple of more drafts, I think. And, you know, it so... Needed, it here, need- so the, I do know this with the writers. They wrote a ton of books together, of the book series. Yeah. And I, I think at a point they broke up. The, oh. You know, and then they came back. And then there was like uh, ghost writers. And like there's, you know, different. Okay. And I don't know if there's any. I, I'm pretty sure the writers of this, uh, the Destroyer series did not write the screenplay. So I don't know if there was anything. I, I have no I, knowledge of the production of this movie. That's okay. Um, but I can imagine how difficult it would be to, I mean. I mean, I just looked up the writer who was. Warren Murphy. Christopher Wood. Oh, this is the writer of the screenplay. And he wrote a couple of James Bond movies himself. Which is so, really weird that he fell this short 
because he wrote A Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker. Moonraker, I mean, it's not the best Bond movie, but it still has great camp moments that kind of work. The, all the Bond movies work. Yeah, and it's probably, I mean, definitely for, I mean, it's an, I mean, you probably have a bigger budget and things like that. But but here's the thing, like, the, the, the fighting on the Statue of Liberty was, like, fun and exciting. Like, I don't know if a bigger budget's going to make that better. Yeah. I mean, the stuff, like, you know, in the satellite and, like, you know, the destroying of that, uh, Grove Industries. I mean, bigger budget might help, stuff like that. Right. What did that um, satellite do? It was a prop. Like... Because we literally just, is like, we're going to show a big satellite, then it accidentally gets blown up by Remo. No, because <laughs> Remo, there was a, an intruder in there, and so it blew up, and then... Uh, Made it seem like the whole warehouse blew up, and so yeah. like, oh, we don't have to come clean that there was never a real Star Wars thing. Yeah, it's but it's so it, there's it, so much piled on each other. If I wasn't here, and someone asked you, hey, tell me about Remo Williams, it'd probably be pretty hard, just because so much stuff is up in the air. Yeah, there's just so much unclear of like, what am I really? What's really going on? Yeah, but again, there there are elements. Let's, well, okay. Uh, there are elements I, that I, I fun love that I know there's potential there. Like, like you said, like the relationship between the mentor and him, and how that that relationship that works. Yeah, it just needed story backing it to push it forward, so it didn't feel like little vignettes that really, in the end, didn't really add up. Other yeah, than like, other than a couple of visuals of like, like you said, he has like that that ops that balance obstacle course before dinner one night, and he does that and then falls, and then we eventually get on this top of scaffolding that's covering the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, it's so like, the, okay, I get it. They He's go on a sortie, to... then we go see what Grove's up to, then we're back in the apartment talking about rice. Yeah. And then someone else is doing this, we go on another sortie out to the uh, you know, Ferris wheel or whatever. It's Yeah, it's it is a series kind of a series of vignettes. And, and then like that Ferris wheel one films like such a weird un like it's a training that I'm like, "What?" The house is helping him. <laughs> and then the only thing it, it fulfills is that randomly in, in this war scene, there's there's a random track that picks up a big log yeah. and he happens to get on it. There's no justification. There's no, there is no ever moment of like, why is this, why did this giant log just get lifted by cables and, and just started carting through the head? I want to think a lot of this movie was just, cobbled together really fast as far as like the the story goes i wouldn't be surprised because uh i think they're like here's the statue of liberty we can actually get on it with the scaffolding um we own the rights to this book uh you know what i mean and like yes uh, i so I, I think if i remember correctly uh half the movie was shot in mexico so i think all the like army base stuff yeah. And I think they had sound stages. Um, I'm trying to. I'm, I must have read that somewhere or whatever. But, right. Um, so I almost think like, oh, yeah, we got access to this uh, ski resort in Mexico. It's a log place. Yeah, yeah so the, we're gonna use timber it. yard. Um, right. And so it feels like the, you know they gathered up a, a whole bunch of their assets and said, "Can we make a movie out of this?" Because if sure. the if the James Bond director and the James Bond writer and you know, Dick Clark's money. And they probably just, like you said, they probably are like, oh, this could be a James, American James Bond. And they're probably like super excited and it's Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. Yeah. They, uh, I I would venture to say, 
the the screenwriter would probably didn't you know read recreationally the destroyer series it was probably here's a property we have read some books um probably not Uh under you know not not a fan of the series and so it was just this here here's what's on the surface and like oh we can shoot the statue of liberty and blah blah blah, and let's write a screenplay with these elements right okay so with fred ward and his training yeah I would argue that I don't think he becomes a good warrior by the end of this movie. We don't see it. We don't see a progress. It's implied. I don't see, it's only implied and very softly. Because I, I would argue that his body does not change from the first time he enters that, uh, that, that training. Yeah. And then by the end of the movie. There's weird implications of what he becomes. Yeah, and it's also like a really short period of time. Because I think like when he learns to run lightly on the sand at the beach. Which I think he says so... that's been a month. I think. Yeah, or something. And and Shun says it's going to take like 15 years to fully train him. Yeah. And he's made that much progress in a month. Yeah, and, he can tread lightly on sand and not leave foot, footprints. Yeah, that's and dodge it, bullets and after dodge a couple bullets. weeks. Yeah, that's pretty, all of that's pretty magical too. Like it feels almost like, Yeah, Whoa. so in the books, in the books they really go into the science of it where they're actually like hearing the sound the tender No, they, they mention that one. They mention it. That crazy scene where but just decides to pull a gun out. I saw the sh- flood of your metal carpal or whatever. Yeah, and they yeah. definitely mention a lot of that kind of important stuff is kind of thrown away. And like, watch it is it. thrown away for like almost humor's sake when it's like, no, that's like the world you need to build that makes me get all excited about. I this. love the humor that's built into like the but dynamic, I think this... but they I think they use it to like uh, we haven't flushed out the whole story, so let's uh, throw that, it away. Therefore, I think yeah. You've, and I like, think the humor is great, but again, it get, it sort of it, instead of adding an element, it kind of overwhelms it, and then gets and then lets the important shit get thrown. And I think like part, I think I, I think maybe a big part of that is even Chun is uh, we're told that he's this master, and we see him run on water at the end of the movie, but we don't really see much else. We see him dodge bullets, and like you know, I, I can buy into that right at the top. Yeah, of the I can show. buy into it, um, but. The rest of it is like, you know, Remo, Remo's making dinner. He gets frustrated by Chun. And at a point, he's like, Chun, you know, I really, sometimes I really like you. And he's like, of course, I'm Chun. And he's like, and there's other times I could really kill you. He's like, good, we'll do that after supper. Yeah. Right. And it would be great to have seen him trying to kill Chun after supper. Like, you know, yeah, just look, more of the training because all we do see is like the pre-dinner obstacle course. Uh, some, uh, you know, the, the mesh. Fa- the, the fingerboard, the fingerboard, dodging. We don't even see the progress of fingerboard. No, we see we it start. start, and then later on we see him start a twig on fire. Well, we see him poke through the gas mask and into yes. the guy's eye and kill him. Which right. Is, I could buy that probably more than the uh, the twig this thing. Twig, yeah. However, I mean, <laughs> it, is, it is a fun thing. It's so fun, but it's insane. Because we haven't even, like, and well, why I say it's insane is because and the only reason I call it insane is because we haven't built up a – you haven't established a world where that might be a possibility to you. Yeah. And you know I, what I mean? We didn't even see Shun do anything like that where it's like, okay, you're setting up that, that if you train with Shun, that can happen. Yeah. And because we don't see Shun do it, then uh, we're just taking the writer's word for it. Yeah. And when, um, so when he does it, you're and, just like, what the fuck? So this is why – this is a part of the reason – so uh, – Okay, maybe we'll get back to this, but I, I do think the movie 
doesn't really decide what type of movie it wants to be. I would agree with that. Like because if it did go more into like in the in the books, they really go into kind of the science behind all this, and they go crazy into the books. And whether it's like physiologically possible, in the books they explain it. Go okay, that's how that's how it works. Right. And they're able to do this crazy like you know fall fall from a you know tall tall place and land you know mm. kind of like a cat you know in the books yeah. like and they do and the how they dodge the bullets is like you know i guess that you can only do so much in the movie but chun in real life is a dancer yeah. like he's not a martial arts actor it's, it's joel gray it's jennifer gray's dad mm-hmm. who's this little tiny dancer i think he's done cabaret in new york forever okay. uh white dude by the way uh, yeah, for, made up to be uh, Korean. Yeah, and I think they were nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah, it was nominated for Best Makeup. And honestly, like... That it, will never happen again. Never again. Um, but, like... That's pretty I, crazy that was happening in the 80s still, too. Yeah, uh, well, and I think most people that saw the movie, unless they were paying attention to the credits, you wouldn't have gone. That's a white no, dude. It's, it, I mean, because, and I think there's a couple of close-ups that you're a little like. "Eh." There's just a couple, but you just assume it's the aging instead of, uh, yeah, making him. And and if I remember, you know, from what I've heard or read, that you know he spent a lot of time with Koreans, like adopting like their manner, like the mannerisms of older Korean men, how they walked. Mm -hmm. Uh, Him being a dancer, I think, was an asset just because he could carry himself a certain way. And also just uh, his physicality. He was obviously able to. I mean, I doubt that's the way he moves normally. Like he's a good, he's a great actor. And mm-hmm. then uh, with a challenging part that I'd, we're never going to see something like that again. Uh, no, white dude. And we shouldn't. No, no, <laughs> no. Um, it's it's a it was a simpler time, I think. But it's still we should we should we should. But no, we no, should be hiring Koreans to play Korean without question. I don't think there was any like Korean backlash back in the day. Right, it doesn't sound like because I probably could have because no one watched it. it. No, right. I, I think it, it did okay at the box office, but it wasn't a success. Yeah, I probably yeah I can see that. And uh, no, and I think because the character of Chen was so pro Korean, I don't think anyone was getting mad. Yeah, it wasn't. It, it's like it yes. wasn't a caricature of a, yeah, a Korean. It's, it's not like uh, what's his name's. A Japanese character in Breakfast at Tiffany's, uh, Mickey oh. Rooney. Oh no, no, it's nothing no, like no. that. Where you're like, good God, no, like you're making a very hateful choice. This yeah. is more of like, y- y- like we could. That all, wasn't we an could, uninformed choice, whereas this is an informed, informed choice. Yes, yeah. I would 100 percent agree with that. Because when you're watching it, I don't find it offensive. The only thing that's offensive is maybe like, oh yeah, we shouldn't. We should never do that again. We should, yeah. we should get real Korean. Absolutely. But his performance-wise, I'm not going like, ooh, he's making like, well, he's making fun of these guys. And I <laughs> doubt they said, well, we can't find a Korean dude. They probably didn't look for one. They probably said, hey, I'm friends with Joel Gray. He's a great dancer. Right, and I understand the reason for dancing to do certain certain moves. It yeah. did make some weird choices though for dodging bullets, especially yeah. when Fred Ward starts to do it at the end. He does that. His twist, he yeah. does that weird twisty thing. And well, he spins, and you're like, you're dodging bullets. Why are you spinning? <laughs> well, you know, he, he he holds his arms the same way when he was running across the wet concrete. Yeah. And maybe that's just like Fred Ward when he lifts his arms up with it those huge was. hands. Yeah, those, they're so heavy. Like, can't... they weigh himself down. 
So I'd love, can we meet Fred Ward and ask, do you just have heavy hands? I, just, no, no, I, I just want to shake his hand. I mean, for a number of it reasons. Would, his hand would engulf mine. Yeah, would well, engulf yeah. Them. No, they're impressive. My hand would disappear for a moment. It, no, it, it would be like Schrodinger's cat, but with my hand inside his fist. I would be like, when Dave's I'm Dave's hand is both alive and dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think uh, I think they kind of painted themselves into a corner using um, a dancer and not having because I don't I don't think I ever saw like a, a, a Chun stunt double. And yeah, it was probably him the whole time. Yeah, he didn't have to do much. He didn't have to do anything. To... But in the in the in the books, like there's there's moments where like Remo and Chun have to get across a crowd of people. I don't know if it's in a subway or something, but it's a crowded place. And they just jump up and literally start running across people's heads, sprinting and just running and That's placing great. their feet on. And so Chun is more physically adept to uh, fighting than Remo is. Yeah. And, and so we because we never saw it, it's like, okay, we're not seeing a hardcore action film. Yeah. And uh, one of my biggest gripes, even when I was younger, I didn't quite understand it, but you just, when I didn't, still even today, when I don't understand something, if I like it, I just kind of like forgive it. Right. You know, because I For like sure. it. I think a lot of us do. That. But like there was, the t- you know, thinking about it, it's like, oh yeah, he's an assassin and they, these guys just try to kill him on the Statue of Liberty and he goes and he beats him up in the elevator and he wraps the rope around the guy's neck and shoves him out. And then the cut, you remember that part? Mm-hmm. And then the cut to is like, he's got his foot dangled up in the rope. Yeah. It's like, that's not what you did. No. He, you, you straight up killed, killed him. Guy. Yeah. And I'm not sure if that was, uh, they went and refilmed it. Reshot it. Reshot it. And they, or... Or like, yeah, they maybe they did the first part first, and they tested said, it. That's or not even tested it. Maybe even on the day, like they could have shot inside the elevator one day. Then they were doing the wides, and they're like, "That's and maybe in dailies, like that's too harsh." Well, we'll just we can't go back and shoot it. Just shoot it so when the lot and the and the one out, yeah. Instead of it around his neck, let's just do it around it. You know what I mean? Could yeah. have even been something it could, like that. that, that that's a kind of an easy fix that could happen after the fact for whatever reason. But I do remember seeing that and going, hmm. Because it's it's weird to make uh, a movie about assassins without really seeing much killing. Hundred percent. Well, that's my my other gripe about Remo in this is that even though in the end he beat those guys up in the elevator, yeah, maybe you, it's 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 like a subtlety thing of him overcoming his uh, his fear of heights in that fight scene. Yeah, but a lot of these scenes, I kept I feel like he was just running away the whole damn time. Yeah. There was never a moment where Remo, other than like a couple of choice moments, like in the gas chamber and when he got the guy finally came in, but the guy had to come to him. Yeah. But in that, even in that Statue of Liberty, it was straight up him constantly trying to get away from them until yeah. they got in the elevator. Right. Or instead of him going, okay, I'm trained, I can do this. Like, I'll yeah. t- you know what I mean? Like, go full head. That's the hero I want to see is the one that's like, I'm going to take care of business. Yeah. But it kept even up into the like in the army scene, it was like constantly him like I felt like he was running from everything. Yeah, and, and it was like you're there to get business done. Why are you running? It would it would have been far more satisfying to see him dodge a bunch of bullets up at close just, range and beating up like all these army dudes. Right, and you didn't even like army dudes shooting you like a bunch of bullets. That's crazy. Not just one guy that I'm like, you're a businessman. Who knows if Grovey is even a good shot? Yeah. <laughs> I, well, you know, you do see him like cleaning a rifle earlier and right. he mentions, you know, Tennessee. I don't know. But yeah, they imply things. They don't really show it. Yeah. And, I would show rather than tell. Oh, man. Yeah. And honestly, if they showed everything... 
that they talked about, it would have been like just an amazing. And I think movie. if you go back into a reboot, I think we have like in a reboot, you'd have the resources and possibly budget and talent that you could show it. Well, even even the green screen, because like there's I I can point out to you all the times where I can see wires and and when they're strapped into the ceiling, you can actually see the support apparatus uh-huh. that wasn't rotoscoped out. You can like. You know, I've seen the I've seen this enough to where like you know when he slides down the zip line, at one point he's he's holding it with his hands, and when he's in the wide, he's holding on to something sliding down. Yeah. There's all these little things that like well you know that would be an easy fix today, and I think filmmakers and audience members are a little more sophisticated. Yeah, they're savvy, so they can fix that easy. Like we're aware of those things, Um, but yeah, the 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 biggest thing is like. for me, number one, I mean, I forgive a lot of the story holes, sure. but it's that that the villain wasn't super super strong. Like it needed a villain, kind of like uh, what's his name from Iron Man Two. Uh, it was uh, Mickey Rourke, or no, 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 uh, no I know. Uh, oh my god, uh, the, uh, the I love dude. him. Uh, I love Lebowski, him. Uh, Jeff Bridges. No, it's not Jeff Bridges. That's the guy in the first one. Oh, it was the first one. Yeah. Yeah, and that guy's a weapons manufacturer. Yeah, and he has... He's intelligent. He's intelligent, but he's dangerous. And he's dangerous, and he's highly motivated. He has a very... Villains have to have a very clear want. If they don't have a very clear want, then I don't... I don't... I don't... And then I'm not going to be like, you're not a threat. And so, like, I I wanted kind of like a, a, a very, like even physically imposing and dangerous villain like uh, like uh, Iron Man 1 or uh, the Robert Redford of the cap- newest Captain yeah. America. Like, just, uh, just a, uh, a more dangerous threat that could test the hero more. Because like, we didn't see uh, we didn't see Chun or Remo tested, really. Oh, it I- was run away, run away, get an advantage, win the day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he had to make the deaths look like accidents, for sure. You know that's kind of that was kind of like built in. You but know? I think they could. It, it was said, but it, it was like, sad, you never really but... saw it other than like, well, we, and then even thrown away. Like when they were done, they were like, "Well, you made you made it look like an accident." It was like, well, we didn't really get to see the fun of like how a skilled guy has to make it look like an accident. Today, it, if I if that was if they do that, then I want to see. How he methodically has to think his his actions out because like he didn't make the elevator scene like those guys he beat up like and I, I guess they didn't die. Sure, the guy that ran across the concrete and sank in yeah. that, that's an accident. Uh, and I love that guy's face that watches that. Yeah, happen. he just watches a guy just die. His I love face. that like the, the the closest thing they got to a villain was that sub villain with the creepy smile that Stone he, was Stone the one he got the he yeah. pulled his eye out or yeah. poked his uh-huh. eye. That guy um, literally came into that gas chamber and he's all like, "This is for my like like my guys at the Statue of Liberty." Yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. like, "When did you grow a heart for those dudes? <laughs> like yeah. that was never." <laughs> well, no, not for the workers, but for the 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 guy that went into the concrete. Yeah, yeah. But I still think I'm like, "You're just a bunch of couple of thugs. Why do you?" Well, and, there, and there's another example of they're telling us that there was this relationship, not but sure. we never saw. Yeah, it. you're like, I don't know that you get you. You just seem like a hired thug. <laughs> yeah. Well, a heart of gold and a tooth of diamonds. Which I'll love because, real quick, let's. I want to talk about, I love, we love Justify, the two of us. Yes. And we're going to talk about great villains. I mean, I'm only in season three. You've probably started four. I've started four, yeah. Every villain they have in that show 
And I'm, I'm not even talking about our main crowd, because I will get us off our whole spin. But in the last two seasons, Mags mm. and uh, uh, Quarles. Yeah. Those guys are villains that have these sides to them that are highly surprising yeah. and highly grounded in, like, they, ha- they, ha- they have human elements. They're not just, oh my I'm a villain for villain's sake. They're people that I can see their points of view of where they're coming from. Absolutely. Like, it's it, it's more disturbing to me that Quarles, I think that's how you say his name. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Robert, he he's a family man. And he's that talking, is he's, so fucked he's, up. He's ma- talking to a son and making like, sure. Like he's just like a normal dad. Yeah. Oh, that and, to me is and, so great of a film. And he's trying to be a good dad because he had a bad dad. He had a bad dad. Yeah, and, and then and then he has this real fucked up thing with like young boys. Oh, he's he's, he's as, as evil a person as it gets. Yeah. But um, you see that part of him being um, a father, and like I, I think I think that's kind of maybe part of the sophistication of storytelling. Maybe for some people, I I don't think John Wayne would like the type of stories we're telling today. I mean, good guys wear a white hat, black bad guys wear the black right. hat. But but uh, I would say well, but he wasn't I, he wasn't who shot Liberty Valance, and that's a pretty. Well, great he, I think about gray lines. I think like he that. started to evolve a little more right. towards the end of his career, and I think I think audiences today like to um, maybe uh, hate the bad guys, even though part of them likes them. Like we want to understand too. Uh, like, and you want, and it's it's. I mean, it's like you know, Han Solo shooting first, and we want like a good hero, hero to be, maybe not be entirely pure. Like For we sure. want an edge to people. Or we have to let that purity, like we have to earn it. Yeah, because even so, like even Raylan Givens in that show has moments where I've I've genuinely go, I love this guy as a hero, but there's moments where I go, man, why are you being so hard on these guys? Like, well, yeah, that, well, <laughs> his whole third season, like he evolves, and so it's like it's fun to see uh, the well. I, I think and and Justify, you know, go on the record is so well written. Oh, 100%. Uh, and, uh, and you just believe everything that those characters are going through. And for season three for Raylan, it's, he is, he's going through a lot of weird stuff. Oh, it's yeah. A he's weir- getting, he, and, on, on both ends. Yeah. His job, he's, just, he's being he's, questioned. He's, yeah. And he's being kind of shady. Yeah. And, like, and his own dealing. It's, it's, and, and, but still but then trying to ride that good line. Yeah. And he's still, and, he, and at the end of the day, he, He's got more in the W column than he has in the L's, you know. He yeah. and but then man, you know, Mags is trying to be good for her community and her family and take care of and so take she, care of that girl, right? And so it's like, yeah, it's my my favorite. Real quick, I know we got to go back to Remo. I know we're getting off on yeah. just like it's like when Quarles starts having a drug drug addiction. That is such a crazy turn for for a villain. Because you normally are just like, yeah, you're sadistic. But then you almost are like, to, like you find yourself going to the villain going, don't go down that. Don't go down that path. Yeah, like, yeah. you feel bad for him when he takes, like, his first, like, Oxycontin. You're yeah. just like, oh, man. Like, you know? And then and then that he's able to accomplish so much when he's messed up yeah. that you're like, holy, this, guy, this guy's amazing. This guy's, yeah. Like, and, if you could do that on fucking Oxycontin, woo. Well, and those 180s are something that makes that justified super satisfying. And those 180s don't come out of nowhere. They're earned. And you go, boom, something changes. The given circumstances are new. And you're like, oh, that makes sense. But I want to say, like, we're using that as, like, a prime, like, the best of example. Yeah. I would take even Remo if, like, if 
I would take even a simplified Remo if it would just would it would clear up and just even make the villain so clear like where like what you said like with John Wayne good guy wears the white hat bad guy wears the black hat if Remo even went that clear yeah I would be on board with the movie even more do you yeah. know what I mean uh-huh. where I'm like yep that's the villain here's what he wants and that's why he's the villain to Remo being like I'm a reluctant hero and now I've decided and gets that moment where he because there's never that moment where Remo really we get to enjoy where Remo's like now I'm gonna be this we never see the turn God, we needed that. Yeah. We needed that because it was like, it only happened in a cut, in a sense. And still, I wasn't sure if he was on board. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we're told, but you know, like, I, I think audience members, they're they're kind of like uh, undisciplined children. You know, when dad says, oh, I'm getting mad. But uh-huh. when you see him get mad. When you yeah. see dad mad, then you get scared. And we never saw dad mad. We never saw Remo getting just i you know we didn't see that moment before yeah and we we were told that the moment took place yeah like, we have to see that that's so important to me yeah because otherwise uh, we don't see someone reacting to something that's happening we're being told through it something did happen to yeah them. Those, um, aren't the, those aren't the moments we want to watch those aren't important yeah well then we both do improv it's a huge note that I I get or give, where it's like, okay, stop talking about what happened. Or stop it. talking about what's going to happen. Be in the moment that that happened, or go to that moment that's going to happen. Yeah, because that's we want to. Every audience wants to watch the scene that we go. Oh, this. So we almost feel like, ooh, we're this is why we're watching. Yeah. This is important. The moment is, oh, you're mad because of what I did with Jerry, and then just go to that scene with Jerry. Yeah, we've we've seen plays that. Have taken place oh, in all dear. the moments after. We're not going to mention names. Yeah, but, but, but like that's what we just needed. Because again, I think this is a movie where I like like you. I'm like so much. Like I really do want there to be a reboot because I think there's a lot of potential in just this character. Oh, big time! That I'm like, great. We just need to clean up this origin story and then have a clear like. Just have a clear villain and have a clear like journey for this character. Then I'm totally going to be on board. I'm like, great, bring them back. I and I, I and I think writers these days, and and Shane Black is absolutely capable. But I think writers in general just kind of more know they know how to attack a story like this. Like, right. you know, and I use, I use it's this isn't a comic book. It's it's not a graphic no, but novel. I understand but where this you're style of storytelling, uh, we've we've seen it before. Yeah, it's uh, I think it's a, a it's an easier task to accomplish. Whereas I think in whenever they were writing this, like eighty three or eighty four, it's just like, well, well, fake his death and like push his car into the East River. Yeah, right. Like, like I, I don't think they knew how to just approach it and do it well. Yeah, and they probably totally. they probably did. I mean, this is the best. They probably what they did what they thought they were capable of doing. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's that's okay. I'll take it. And I'm, I, not, I'm not gonna. I mean, I wasn't there on set. I wasn't. I wasn't up against the wall with the limitations. Now I have forced so many people to watch this movie. Uh, yeah, hey, I didn't. You didn't force me. Well, it, it, I I say force, but like you know, like oh, uh, I got this movie. Like hey, yeah, you want right. to watch the movie? And uh, even like even like people that you just know this isn't like their cup of tea. I've never had anyone get mad. Like wish I wouldn't have watched that. She was like, oh, that was pretty funny. Or you know, that, sure. 
Uh, and I would say I'm not mad at this movie. Yeah. What's her name was great. We didn't talk about Kate Mulgrew. Kate Mulgrew is really funny in it. Or she was she's uh, just delightful. I don't think I don't. Again, I think it's a character that it's a female character that feels very underutilized and kind of like a damp, oh, almost unnecessary. But it's like it just I don't get her place in the story at all. Well, I she, like her. She, I feel like she fills in whatever she's working with. She's a good yeah. She's a good like. Um, straight woman for you know Remo and, and Chun to be ridiculous yeah. around and so she provides the perspective right so like you know just most of what when Chun shows up she's just baffled yeah for the rest of the movie right or offended and going hey I'm calling out his offensive behavior and or then, just her, his blunt behavior and then he turns her off with that wrist tap yeah just which funny. makes her sit down which is really weird yeah the I, way it turns her off is really weird like he like she Straight up, like, goes into a sitting position, and I'm like, that's weird. Yeah. It's a, a lesson that uh, Remo has not been yeah. taught yet. I would, it's like a very misogynistic view of, like, shut up, woman. <laughs> well, yeah, in the, bo- in the books, it, it, it's not really misogynistic, but, you know, some of the interesting things in the books that we didn't see uh, tonight, like, uh, in the books, like, women are very attracted to both Remo and Chun. Like, and Chun explains that uh, they can sense... A master of Sinanju. That's so funny. And so it's like, and Remo always wears like the same so like chino funny. pants. Like he has a certain way of dressing, and Chin wears ridiculous outfits. We kind of see a little bit of that. Outfits are pretty weird in this. And a lot uh, of scarves, a lot of a lot of scarves, scarves. Yeah, big coats. Yeah, <laughs> like I get, and I think in the books it's even more colorful uh-huh. and like extravagant. And you know, the um, masters of Sinanju only work for emperors. Oh. And, you know, so that's why he calls him Emperor Smith instead of, you know, yeah. Smith. And he gets paid in gold. It, there's a whole story. See, in everything the, you're saying to me is like, oh, if we had that little world. Rich details. Yeah, those little rich specific details. And we planted those into the right place and really built on this. I think there is a world. That's why I'm like, if there is a reboot, I hope whoever does it, Shane Black or whoever, takes the time to, to fill in that world because then it becomes something great well and inter- it sounds and interesting if they're you know it, it, you know I don't know if there's a script yet but the fact that they're calling it the destroyer is already a good sign right they're not you're not going off Remo by the way I think it's really funny and I like I don't think I think this was a joke that got thrown to the wayside because we didn't establish who Remo was before yeah so we don't know what their opinion was of him. We really didn't have an opinion of, of who he was before he became Remo, right? Yeah. So I found it very uh, funny that they it, just said Marine, decorated cop, or something. Yeah. But we really didn't know like why he chose. But there's a real weird joke in there that Remo Williams' name just comes from off the a bedpan. Yeah. And to me, I'm like, that's a weird, funny joke of like, you're you literally are, you're calling him shit in a weird way. Yeah. Because that's the thing where shit goes. So. I'm going to call you this thing. I'm going to call you shit. But I'm like, oh, uh, that joke falls empty because yeah. I have no cl- clue of reference if that's like you making comments on like the way you feel about this guy. Yeah. I mean, as a, as a, as a, uh, 11-year-old kid, I'm like, ah, ha, ha, named after a bedpan. Right. I think but, it's so funny. But yeah, is it, that's how they view him as just a, a piece of shit. But it's probably closer to like, uh, you're going to deal with shit. Are you going to take care I'm, of this I'm shit? I'm fine with that. But it could, like like the rest of the movie, a lot of that stuff was just vague. 
And if it got a little more specific, right? Because like I love the undertone of, of of jokes that are within it, like yeah. And then that's and it's an example of them not taking seriously something that normally would be taken seriously, and that's kind mm-hmm. of like the essence of comedy, like you know, make like the sure. serious things or make uh, things that don't matter matter, right? And it would have been maybe fun to articulate why they went that route instead of like, well, what do we name them? Well, let's look at the manufacturer of the bedpan. Yeah, it would have been, you know, that could have meant something. It was like a, a missed opportunity. Right. Or it's, it, I mean, I'm fine if it's a joke that is a throwaway, but it has like a poignant way of shooting it or something like, yeah, you know, even letting him in on it. Like, even if it was like, this or, sounds like, this sounds like a stupid thing, me trying to redirect a movie. But even like him saying your Rima Williams and like throwing him the bedpan so he knows exactly where we're ta- taking the name from. Yeah. So it's or, like he's in on the – he's in he's on it in, like, hey, fuckers. Or, you know, <laughs> he sees the guy play with the bedpan and he puts it down and leaves, enjoy the fruit. And if he stood up and looked at the bedpan, like, oh, okay. Like, he could have yeah. gotten mad at it or whatever. Yeah, there's – I think there's a lot of like um, – and I think maybe it's why I still love it is like there it's well I don't want to I don't want to minimize it like it's like your child's drawing that you put up on the fridge and that this is I amazing it. but it's I mean you didn't make it no Steve you didn't make this movie. no but it's close to my heart I feel I feel <laughs> I, I feel like I was uh, you know I was a grip on it or something no it was it, it was, <laughs> it was uh, I. I as uh, as I've gotten older and as some of the bloom has come off the rose, I still enjoy it for what it is, uh, a fun thing. And I I am now super excited. I When I first heard that Shane Black was doing it, I was like, oh. not because Shane Black sucks. It's like uh, somehow in a, in a world of possibilities, I wanted to do it. But, but I'm glad that uh, it, it's in incapable yeah. hands. Shane Black can do it, and then they can get the whoever – who did the choreo- acting choreography, choreography for uh, John Wick? Done. That'd Done. be amazing, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, to no. show that much skill. If somebody like Keanu Reeves can get that skilled at like and looking capable. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. They make a movie like this. You do that for another star. Okay, I got a question for you. In a remake, who's your dream, and who's who's capable of being it right now? Who is your pick for who plays Remo Williams in a reboot? Oh man, I think in the past I've had an answer for that, but um, today, shoot, I don't know. Do they need to be younger? Or no, no, they they need to be uh, a little bit older. I think in the books, I mean, and I know for like franchise purposes, you know, you want to get They're probably going to go younger. Yeah, but uh, you know, they'll probably. They'll probably paint it as like a Gulf War veteran, or you know. Oh like, yeah, I mean they're uh, gonna go with the times. But um, yeah, I think in the books he was like he was even forties, but uh, you know somewhere thirty thirties to forties. So right. um, I don't. I want it to be funny, but I don't. Oh my gosh, uh, my biggest fear is that they try to do like uh, a Lone Ranger, Ooh. or. Um, and you know, you name it, Wild Wild West, uh, like you know, taking an older property and like, uh, let's punch it up. Or oh, is it uh, Green well, Hornet? Yeah, it almost feels like they're making fun of the material rather than celebrating it. Yeah, yeah, right. um, that's my biggest fear. And I don't, I, I, you know, hold my breath. But um, yeah, if they if they just stayed true to the 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 core of the novels, they got so much. They, they, it's it's a huge universe. It's like a comic book universe. I mean, That's imagine great. I don't know how many 
I don't, I don't think, even know you need to say comic book universe. There's novels that came before comic books, like sure. Lord of the Rings that have universe. You yeah, can just say it has yeah, a Yeah, but Lord universe. of the Rings has what? Three books plus The Hobbit? And they have, oh, and he has a lot of other things. But, that, but like, we're talking... But I books think, can have... This one series, series can have large universes. I think, I think there's probably 150 books. That's so ins- now... That's insane. 150 me. villains. In, you know, if, it's, if that number yeah, is 120. Like James or, Bond. Like yeah. James Bond has a rich universe. Yeah, so there's there's enough... You don't have to invent much. I mean, the stuff's already there. So I am looking forward to... Uh, Jay, you didn't answer my question. Oh, what was the question? You had to be... I'm tired. It's, it, we're recording you, this actually late at night. Hey, we are. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so who, my my dream cast, Remo Williams, or just who you think would be satisfactory to you at this moment? Playing Remo Williams, not Keanu Reeves. I would agree. I don't even. Um, and he's John Wick anyway. He well, yeah, he's know. John Wick. Um, <laughs> shoot. Well, here. Okay, maybe you can tell me because in. So Remo Williams kind of has to be, um, you know, physically capable. I'm not yeah. talking like you know, muscle dude or whatever. But now everyone's doing CrossFit, so everyone's a muscle dude. Um, yeah. But has to be someone you know that's um, just really grounded, but also like funny. Like, and so it can't just be, you know, some. So it's. I can't. I haven't done like my virtual casting session, and so it, it's got. I think it's got to be uh, probably a white dude with brown hair. Could be black though. Could be black. That would be very interesting. Somebody like what's his name that played Luther? Uh, Remo's not like I don't. I'm not saying that's a black name, but that's not really like a white name either. That's not a name. No, I don't think Remo Williams. Remo has Arkansas. Any- I don't yeah. think really, yeah, I don't think it has a, a race Williams attached to it. Yeah. Um Um to somebody that like, like, that would be interesting. Uh what's I can't think of Idris or whatever his name is. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that British dude. Again, I think he might be a little even too older though. I think yeah, I, I think, think so. I think even in casting, as much as I even the books might be older, I feel like some I think you'd have to push him back to thirty. Oh no, no, yeah, absolutely. Because just to for the training to make sense and to be like, okay. We can yeah. build you into this thing. Yeah. Essentially, it's like it's it's gonna be like Batman Begins. Yeah, and if they if that's they, what this to me like had a long like yeah. first act like oh we're making you into this thing then at the very end we're gonna hurry and quickly fit in this <laughs> task. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think because who like I would it be. couldn't be like a Christian Bale because you um, know what I hate. I hate that I don't know a lot of outside of white. Like lead actors, I hate that. I hate that I have to admit that. Like, yeah, I know who are who. I can name the ones that have already been cast, but not the ones that I'm like, oh yeah, they would make. A, they're gonna make their way to the lead. There are not. There are like the more diverse. Yeah, that fucking sucks. Yeah, because <laughs> um, I know they're they're great, and I'm like, I don't. Yeah, I think no, I. I I I think a black dude would work. Uh, a white dude would work. I don't think another Asian would work, just because there's got to be. Like, Not if like, you have that. Yeah. The, you got to have that. I think it's just easier banter. But no, I never thought about having a, uh, a black Rima Williams. But I think that would totally, totally work. Totally work. Um, I'm just trying. It's okay, yeah. Mackie. It's an it's an interesting question because Mackie, like he, Mackie could work. The guy that played Hawk um, on uh, on Captain America. Could be a possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, like some, a guy like that because there is 
he's he's kind of got that uh, a bit of sass to him without being uh, Will Smith. Yeah, uh, and, and I think that's what Arena Williams needs. It's like kind of down to earth, but kind of uh, gets the joke. Yeah, I feel. And that's kind of all you need because I don't think Fred Ward's a comedian. But you know him just saying like those dry one liners. Yeah. Sometimes they're they're pretty funny. Yeah, they were. And so um, you just need kind. You keep need. I, I would like to see a more charismatic Remo Williams, like uh, where like literally like a woman would see him walking down the street and go, "Wow, that's a, an attractive guy." Um, not necessarily pretty though. Not I mean in the way that like Hugh Jackman is attractive, but I don't think he's that pretty. Right. I understand. Um, so, but yeah, um, not really a Hugh Jackman either. I wish we'll have to. It's 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 an interesting, a very interesting. I don't question. think I know all of our leading men. I don't know either. Um, that can but, be funny and annoying. Yeah, the 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 core of him is this. Uh, you you have, but you, if they do it right, if they do the reboot correctly, you have to believe that this human being with superior training. Can become a superhero. Yeah, and so it has to be someone capable of that. You're not going to see like DJ Qualls is not going to be the yeah. guy. Um, I th- there was a time like if you asked me ten years ago, I would have said like Sam Jackson for the McCleary guy. Well, totally makes sense. Now I, I think, think he's, he's overused. He, he, yeah, overused. I think he's also a little bit older. Um, I would I like know. to see I would like to see that McCleary guy used a little more because I don't think he was trained as much as Remo got trained, but did have some training with Chen. So like, um, oh, in the in the books that the the director Smith, I think all he does is sit in his office and look at a computer. So weird. But you know, back in '85, go back to that movie just to have a computer was, was a huge deal. Yeah, yeah, and and to have one connected to a whole bunch. I'm sorry, that's that's fine. Um, we're we're pretty much wrapping up anyway. But um, yeah, uh, you know. Well, I'm, I hope I hope the reboot is satisfactory. That's all oh I can my hear. gosh! Uh, when I heard they were gonna <laughs> redo it, I had so much anxiety. Cause I, I, I I do I do I do love this. And, and this most characters. reboots are. I, yeah, the anxiety is very valid because most reboots are not great. Did RoboCop leave? Terrible. My gosh! Especially because like. But, One, but he, like, the difference is it, it, RoboCop, and let's let's also include Total Recall because they came out around the same oh, time yeah, totally and recall. same director of really? the originals, Verhoeven. Oh yeah, you're right, and, and they're very like classic. Those two movies, movies, they're classic. Especially and, RoboCop because that RoboCop is a straight, straight up satire. It's a satire, and, they, and then they didn't. And then in the new one, it's like you you think they're hinting at it a little bit, but have it's you, like have you watched the behind the scenes of the RoboCop? Of the new or old, the old one with all the. I probably haven't watched. I probably haven't watched them in a while. I'll let time. you borrow my Blu-ray. A I whole have, wow! Like uh, Verhoeven talks about, like he was creating the American Jesus, and so the whole thing of like RoboCop and like he's a guy that's protecting us, and he gets killed sense. for us, and he comes back. Totally makes sense. And so even like at the end where he RoboCop, you know, his mask is gone, and it's at like that uh, steel mill. Yeah, he's walking across water. Like everything, there's a re- there's a reason why that that movie holds up is because like he made and those well, have those a, well it doesn't it holds up because there's a clear fucking vision of like even if even if we watch that movie we don't pick up on that the director is consciously making the choice to make it happen yes and he's not throwing it in our faces by making like oh I'm gonna put him on a cross and 
or this, this. He's just like, nope, I just need to subtly put this in that that's the trajectory. Yeah. That, that's the thematic thing that's pushing this forward. And it's great. So the reverse is true for the reboot of Rima Williams. Uh, there was no reason to reboot RoboCop or Total Recall. Because those the first movies were excellent and they yeah. hold up to today. 100%. And the reason why you have to reboot Rima Williams' The Adventure Begins is because the original doesn't hold up the same way. And but that's the, the only time we should reboot. Yeah, is yeah. when we look back and go, that movie didn't really didn't hit exactly what it, what it potentially. Let's try to let's try to like maybe grab the essence a little more. Yeah, like we don't need movies that were like, okay, that's a classic. Like if somebody tried to remake on Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. We'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. That movie doesn't need to be tampered with. It just hurts when people tamper with movies. They're like, yeah, move on. That's been done. Yeah. They, they knocked it out. They exhausted it. I don't think anyone, uh, I think there's a sequel to A Christmas Story. I've heard of that too. Yeah, but like, but why? Why? Yeah, there's you know no what I mean? There's no reason to. And, yeah, but um, because the original has such good bones, I'm really, I'm very excited that. We're going to see a Destroyer movie. I hope it's great for you, man. Thanks. Appreciate uh, it. Great. Thanks for coming on, Steve. Thanks for having me. Of course. Everyone watch Remo, will ya? Thank you for listening to I Will Watch Anything Once. If you want more from Steve Beathers, follow him on Twitter at Steve Beathers. And thank you again for listening to the podcast. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at IWWAO, on Tumblr at IWillWatchAnythingOnce.tumblr.com. Go to the Boardwalk Audio website at BoardwalkAudio.com slash IWillWatchAnythingOnce. And please click on the Support Our Artists button and shop at Amazon.com. A small percentage of your purchase will help out the podcast and keep the quality up and make sure that episodes come out every month consistently forever. I would highly appreciate the help. And also, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. That will only bring more listeners to I Will Watch Anything Once. If there's a film that you think I should watch, then email me at IWillWatchAnythingOnce at gmail.com. The movies you suggest, I will watch and discuss on the podcast. And remember, if you haven't watched it once, you can't complain. top of this podcast like hey what's Rima Williams about and I had to think about it I mean that's that this is a lot oh, I've yeah, seen yeah, I've yeah, just yeah. seen this movie probably like every other year like right. most of my life this has been a boardwalk audio podcast for more information and shows visit boardwalkaudio.com don't forget to rate and subscribe now